part of what we're going to be doing. So we're going to have a slightly different style this morning, and you'll see why as the morning goes on. Okay, well, if last week's topic was about harvest, then here's this week's topic coming up on the screen now. I want to look at this verse of Scripture here, and you also must testify. That's John 15, 27, and I'll read it to you again. And you also must testify. Let's pray for a moment. Father, thank you for the joy that is in your kingdom. Lord, when we do the things that you call us to do, that is so full of joy. In fact, the Bible says there is no greater joy when we do these things. And Lord, this morning we pray we will discover the heart of the Father, the will of the Father, the joy of the Father, the purpose for our lives. And in that we'll find incredible fulfillment, incredible encouragement, incredible motivation, and incredible joy in you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now when I read this scripture uh, just recently, I got to this part at the end of the chapter in John, because it's actually the last verse of that chapter, and I, I suppose in the back of my mind, there was a little bit of, oh, I'm just getting to the end of the chapter now, we can tidy this off, and then I can move on to the next thing. But you know, as I read it, I couldn't get away from this last phrase. It was as if somebody was actually reading it to me. I don't say I heard a voice, but it was like inside... I wasn't just reading this off the page. It was as if God himself was speaking these few words to me and reading it out from the page and into my spirit. And these were the words, and you also must testify. And I felt as I could hear this inner voice reading these words to me. This wasn't just for me, but it was a word for all of us. And originally I wasn't going to plan this kind of message into this term, but I feel God's turned everything around so that we've got to where we are this morning, and we can hear this word. And you also must testify. Would you read this together with me, please? And you also must testify. Now, say it once more to the person next to you, as if you are that voice, reading the verse to them, and make it a thing of joy, not a, ooh, what's all this about, Okay. And you also must testify. Wow. You also must testify. Now, today's subject is this. In a word, the title is Witness. And at the age of 15, I remember being in our front room which in our house was the dining room, and looking out of the window and seeing a man walk down the, the path of the block of houses opposite on our council estate and knock the door of one of my friends. And my friend's dad came to the door and they spoke for a couple of minutes and I saw my friend's dad shaking his head. And so this man walked up the path and he went to the next house and he did the same thing there. And the guy came to the door, shook his head, and so he did this to all the houses opposite ours. And then he disappeared, and so I went outside to see what was going on, because I was curious. And he started at the end of our row, and I saw the guy come out onto his doorstep, and the same thing happened. He just shook his head, and he came all the way down, 
until he got to our house. And I was already in the front garden. And I thought, I think I, I recognize your face. You live in the next street. And he said to me, he said, I don't suppose you could help me, could you? At first, I thought he was the Jehovah's Witness or something like that. That's why everybody's shaking their heads. But he wasn't. He was just a regular neighbor. And he came to the door and he said, I don't suppose you could help me. I said, well, how? He said, well, a few days ago in the morning, a car accident took place on the corner here with my car. I don't suppose you saw anything, did you? I said, yes, I did. I saw the whole thing. I was in the garden watching it as it happened. He said, I don't suppose you'd be willing to come to court and testify on my behalf as a witness, would you? I said, well, of course I would. He said, because nobody else around here will. They won't admit to seeing anything or knowing anything, and nobody wants to get involved. And I said, is that because the car that hit yours was a police car? He said, that's exactly right. Because it involves the police, everybody is really scared and frightened. And I went in and told my dad, I said, Dad, guess what? I'm going to go to court. And <laughs> that wasn't a surprise to my dad. He said, what have you done this time? No, not really. Uh, but he said, what do you mean? And I told him, he said, oh, Clive, don't have anything to do with the police. It'll go badly for you. Even if they're in the wrong, don't, don't, don't get involved. He said, nobody around here would. I said, I know, that's why I'm going to court. I saw the accident, and I can tell you that the guy was completely faultless and blameless. I watched how he drove, and I watched the police car drive straight into him. His car was stationary at the time. He wasn't even moving when the police car hit him. And, and my dad said, well, don't do it. But you know what? I went to court. When I got there, uh, I'd never been to court before in my life. I promise you, I went many times after that for my brother and a few friends, but... Um, Sorry, Malcolm, if you're hearing the tape in France, but um, that's my brother, Malcolm, by the way. And so I went to this court, and as I went in, I was called as a witness for the defense. Inside was the prosecution. Well, there were two police cars that morning, but they had 12 policemen in court, because I counted them all. Where the other 10 came in as witnesses, I have no idea. But they were all saying certain things. And I knew what I saw. And I knew what happened. And I know because I saw it with my own eyes. And 12 policemen standing in court were not going to intimidate me. Neither was a barrister who was really going to hammer on me uh, or anything like that. I knew what I saw. And I wasn't there because I knew the guy. I was there because it was the right thing to do. And I wanted to stand with this guy because I felt he was telling the truth. And this was right. This is what happened. Now, when I felt God speak those words to me, and you also must testify. I felt it was the same sort of thing. Here is God's truth. Here is what's right in the world. Here is what's right about who God is and what the Bible says. And will we be intimidated and back down? Or will we stand up and speak up for what's true, no matter who is saying that isn't true? There were two of us that day in court, myself and an old age pensioner who'd been having breakfast that morning and watched the same car accident from another angle. And I'll tell you the rest of the story later. Well, you like a good courtroom drama, don't you? <laughs> All of you John Grisham fans out there that like that sort of book, here we go. So, this morning, I want to look at what it means to be a witness, to bear witness or testify to what's right and true and good. Now, this is your first step of actually engaging in the sermon this morning, because I'm not going to let you sit there 
passively. There were people sitting in court that day, court reporters. This went in the papers. And all they do is make notes. They don't do anything. And you're not just going to make notes this morning. You're going to be part of the sermon. Okay? Okay, here's how it goes. First of all, can anybody here raise their hand and say that God has forgiven them and their past sins? Can anybody raise their hand and say that? Okay, that's good. Can anybody say that God has done something good for them in their lives? See another show of hands, that's good. Okay. Can anybody raise their hands and say God has healed them in their lives? Wow, that's impressive. God is in the healing business. If you didn't know that, God heals people. Can anybody raise their hand and say, God has helped them in some way, financially or in their heart or in their spirit? Has anybody been helped in any way by knowing God? Well, let me say this to you this morning. If you put up your hand to any one of those things at all, you are a witness. You are a first-hand witness. Now, here's what happened in that courtroom. There was a man in there who was one of our neighbours who'd shaken his head at this driver of the car. And he was in court that day testifying that the, 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 the guy who I was backing had driven into the police car with reckless driving. And I knew I smelt a rat, and I'll tell you why. We thought this man was going to court because we'd heard because the solicitor had told us. And I was a bit concerned about it. My father, even though he didn't really want me to do this, did a bit of digging around because they both worked in the same factory. And they found that man had clocked in for work an hour before this accident had happened. He wasn't even there. He was in the factory working and his card was in the machine saying that's what time he'd stamped in at. And yet he'd gone to court prepared to say that he knew what had happened. It turns out later he was a retired policeman. I'm going to give you a terrible view of the police this morning, aren't I? If you're a policeman, we love you. This isn't how it normally is. It just happens to be the story I've got. And we do support the police and encourage you to tell the truth and support the police in every way. Is that clear? Good. Okay, let's just be... I could be going out in handcuffs otherwise. It's some sort of um, bad witness. Now, he said in court he saw the accident. How could he have done? See, I knew he wasn't there. And there were other policemen in court giving some sort of witness that day, but I was there. And what was theory to them and what was argument to them was first-hand experience to me. And here's the principle. It's an experience is worth a thousand arguments. Did you know that? There are all kinds of people around today, but an experience is worth a thousand arguments. Here's an experience. Now you can argue whether that's a good thing to do, a safe thing to do, a fun thing to do, a dangerous thing to do. But I tell you what, the guy who's standing there, he's got something better than all our theories and arguments. He's got a true experience of what that's really like to abseil down the sage or whatever he's doing up there for the Olympics. You see, an experience is worth a thousand arguments. And you've all put your hands up this morning to say you have experience of God. He's forgiven you. He's healed you. He's helped you. He's done good things in your lives. You have that experience. And that's why God can say to us, and you also must 
testify or witness. Because of what you've seen, because of what you've felt, because of what you've known of God, it's only right that you should say so. And you know what? Your experience will be worth a thousand arguments. When the uh, man was born blind in John chapter 9, and Jesus healed him, the Jewish religious leaders were so angry with what had gone on, they said to this man, tell us, you know, were you really born blind? He said, yes, of course I was. And then they asked him to condemn the man that healed him, Jesus and all sorts. He said, well, I don't know. He said, all I know is, once I was blind, now I can see. See, he had an experience, and it was worth a thousand arguments. They had all their religious training, all their religious background, all their religious arguments, and all the guy could say, well, I was blind, and now I can see. And that outweighed everything they could say against him. You know, while I was a theology student, most of the people who taught me believed nothing at all about the Bible. And many of the students on our course were very wavy and rocky in their faith when they started, and many of them gave up as they went through. One young man who was training to be a vicar in a particular church, he said, my faith is like a shipwreck. It's like bits of wood on the seashore. And that's what it did to him. And they used to really have a go at me for believing in the Bible. And I used to make sure everybody knew where I stood. I had a box made for my Bible. And on the cover, I got my roommate to write in nice calligraphy, I believe every word of this book. And when we went into lectures or seminars, I would place this book right in the center of the table, in the cover, so everybody could see that statement. I was trying to be provocative, I guess. You couldn't believe that about me, I know, but that is the truth. And they would say things like, well, there were no miracles in the Bible. People just made that stuff up. And they would say things like, you can't believe that, it isn't true. And we've proved Moses didn't write that, and Isaiah didn't say that, and Jesus couldn't have said that. And then they would say in a more unguarded moment, what have you been doing this weekend? So, well, I've been out on one of the estates in, in Bristol where I studied, and we were praying for the sick on the streets, and we were preaching the gospel, and people were getting healed and giving their life to Jesus. All the sort of stuff you say doesn't happen. Well, we've been doing it this weekend. You see, an experience is worth a thousand arguments. They had arguments. We had experience. They had theories. We had reality. They had a justification of their own unbelief. We had a powerful witness that was true because that is who God is and that's what he's doing. Now, let me show you another slide here. Here's a young woman talking to a friend. And nearly everybody put their hand up to say God had done at least one of those things for them. So find a person around you and tell them what that is right now and then give them a chance to tell you. You haven't got long, so the art of summary and pracy is very important this morning. But you're going to talk now. Tell that person what you put your hand up for when I asked the question earlier. Go for it. Give you a few minutes.
Okay. Let's, uh... Now, honest question. Hands up. Who found it hard to stop talking once they started? Come on, how many of you found it hard to, to stop talking? Just a few. I can't believe that. You're all talking really well. I, nobody ran out of words then, did they? Somebody or other was talking there. Is that right? I think people come in sort of different categories. Can you remember back to your school days? In class, somebody is bound to be the talkative one, isn't there? There's always a few in the class that are really talkative, and there's some very quiet ones as well. Hands up who were the talkative ones in their class. Come on, let's see. Who were the talkative ones? Hands down. Who were the quiet ones that never said anything? Ben Doherty, cannot believe you were the quiet one. Well, you know, I think for most people, even if there's a quiet one, if you press their button, you get the right button. They can talk. It's true. Some of us, myself included, they should have Olympics for talking, shouldn't they? Because we would get gold medals. Like, not, I mean, this year would look small by comparison. We would overtake all the rest of the world if they could do gold medals for talking. And you know what? I used to worry about that at school because I was always told by my teachers that I talked too much. And they used to write it on my reports in various forms as well. Like, lively in discussions. You know, you have to read the code there, don't you? It means talks too much. The best I got was, the efficiency of this machine would be improved with the addition of a silencer. You're not allowed to write school reports like that anymore, I'm very pleased to say, but um, that's what one of my teachers put. Well, you know, I used to think that was a bad thing, and in many settings it can be, but do you know what? It's not always. Because the apostles, actually, you couldn't shut them up either. Have a look at this verse from the scripture here. I'm going to put it on the screen. This is what Peter and John said. We cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. We cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Peter and John were constantly like this, witnessing, telling people about Christ. And if you can see the guy's T-shirt there, it says, repent across the middle of it. Um, we will get some of those made if you want them, if it will help you, but you don't have to wear one of those. Just do the conversation and the talking, okay? So... I remember the first time I ever went out deliberately to witness. And the pastor of our church, I was had taken us out to do this. I'd been a Christian three weeks. And our pastor was brilliant at talking to people anywhere. He was just fantastic. He was a fantastic evangelist and great at talking to people in the streets, or anywhere for that matter. And he said, well, Clive, I want to take you with me to do some witnessing. And I said, Pastor, I don't think I can come because I'm shy and I don't talk very... No, not really. I said, I don't think I can come because, well, I'm not like you. I've only been a Christian a few weeks. I've got lots of issues from my past and lots of things I've done wrong and I, I'm not very holy and good and perfect. Well, he said something to me and those words echoed in my spirit and they've echoed with me ever since then for about... 40 years now nearly. This is what he said to me. He said, Clive, 
We don't witness because we're perfect. We witness because it's the truth. And that set me free. That helped me to understand. Because I was waiting till I got perfect before I said anything. I would still be waiting. But he said, you know, you can witness because it's the truth. As long as you're honest about where you are on your journey with God, you can witness and tell people, just like you've been telling each other this morning, about the good things that God has done for you. Okay. Another question for you then. Another put-your-hands-up type of question. Please would you put up your hand this morning if you feel you could do with or you would like some help to be a witness for Jesus. Is anybody would like some help in this? Come on, hands up. Anybody want some help? It's all the ones that said they were quiet, not really. Now, and anybody want some help? Quite a few of you do. Okay, well, coming up on the screen in a moment. I'll wait for it a moment. There is help. There is help. I was once doing the PA. It's a good thing to do the PA, by the way, because you get to meet all kinds of really good ministries and important people, you see, because you have to give them the microphone. So I was doing the PA at a church where I was years ago, and the speaker that evening was from the United States of America. Let's hear a great hand for the USA and Jared. Come on. The speaker was from, he was from a town called, um, he was from a town called Philadelphia. That's the posh East Coast side, isn't it, Jared? But anyway. And he was the number two worker to a man many of you will have heard of, a man called David Wilkerson. You ever heard of him, the cross and the switchblade, Nicky Cruz, the gangster in New York? Fantastic story. Incredible witness for the Lord Jesus. Well, his number two was speaking in this church. And he, I, I got to meet him, got to put the microphone on him, talk to him afterwards. He was telling this story in his preaching of how they set up their second team challenge center in his town. And they wanted the government to, or the court to allow um, the judges to release drug addicts who were coming off drugs to their care and custody in their teen challenge center rather than sending them to prison where they wouldn't get any help but more trouble. And so the district attorney, who's like the chief lawyer that, in, that prosecutes criminals on behalf of the state, he came to inspect their center and he was on the television going around looking at what was going on there. And he gave it his approval. And so a short while later, the guy in charge, this guy preaching, he was in court with a young man, and the judge said, well, why should I release this man into your custody? He said, I, you just run this kind of Christian place. He said, he said, you don't have any therapy there for people. He said, do you have any sleep therapy or work therapy or art therapy or electric shock therapy or drug therapy? He said, I don't, he said, you haven't even got any psychiatrists listed on your board of directors. And he said, Your Honor, we have three of the best psychiatrists in the world. And the judge said, well, okay, tell me their names. And he got his pen out ready to write them down. He said, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the old judge turned red and said, take him and go. Now, you see, it's true. We have the best help in the world with us. And here's where it comes from. 
When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit who proceeds from the Father, Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father, He will testify about me, and you also must testify. Now I've put up there the verse that comes before the little part I read out earlier. Do you notice something? Before you and I ever get to sharing about Jesus, the Holy Spirit's already at work. Did you notice that? He is the best witness and witnesser going. The Holy Spirit right now, while we're sitting in here, is at work in the world, speaking, whispering to people's hearts, moving on their lives, changing their circumstances, trying to get them to take the second bus so that they'll meet you and hear about the Lord Jesus Christ more fully. Do you see that? You're not working on your own. The Holy Spirit is already at work. As you go into this week, the Holy Spirit will bring you across people that he's already moving on. Now, you may have to talk to quite a few people to find the ones he's already moving on. The first half dozen may not be so interesting or so interested. But keep going, and God will bring you to that person that he really means you to meet up with. There will be divine appointments. I remember just recently, Sally wanted to meet this lady from, uh, from her work that she shared with and didn't know who she was or didn't know how to get in touch with her, hadn't got a phone number, and prayed about it. And actually, we went into town later than we were going to go that day. For some reason, we just kept putting it off, and we went into town, and we bumped into this person. And that's what happens. You can find somebody in the car park. That's happened to Sally as well. Bumped into somebody in the car park. You can meet, come across somebody there, and God's been working on their lives. And you're the right person at the right time to say the right thing. All you've got to do is talk to them just like you talked to each other just now. And you will be an incredible witness for the Lord Jesus. And that's why God says you also must testify. He's saying that because he's already at work doing it. And he's asking us to join in with him on the back end of what he's already sharing. I want to look at one other place where Jesus says he will help us. Here it is. We're back to the courtroom again. On my, on my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Did you know the Holy Spirit can speak through you, saying things you've never said before, things that are beyond your own level of understanding and ability to speak. Did you know that? Did you know the Holy Spirit can use you and me in that incredible way? He can do it with anybody. He can speak God's Word into a person's life through us. You can be saying one sentence and change the sentence in the middle of, why did I say that? Because the Holy Spirit got you to say it for the sake of that person. And that will be the thing that really goes deep into their lives. The Holy Spirit can work with us and will work with us to give us the right things to say. Well, when I went to court and got there and stood up to give my witness, my testimony about how this guy had driven, I said my piece and all these people were glowering at me in court, looking. And As they did that, 
I wondered how this was going to go. And the next thing that happened was the solicitor for the prosecution stood up and it was his chance to cross-examine me. Well, I'd seen Perry Mason on TV. About four of you know what that is. The rest of you, it's a program that went out when they built the pyramids. And that was what we did for courtroom dramas before Ali McBeal and people like that came along. And I was ready for this. I thought, you know, I was going to do my speech to the jury, but there was no jury because it was a magistrate's court and so on. So I, I, anyway, it was a lot harder than it looks. He launched into me. I was 15 years old. And he tore into my story, at least he thought he did, but you know what? I stood my ground. He said, well, on the morning it was raining and it was wet, wasn't it? I said, no. He said, I put it to you, it was raining. I said, you're making that up. I said, on the morning, it was bright, clear sunshine because I went back inside for a pair of sunglasses. That's how bright it was. The sky was clear and blue. You remember that sort of thing in England, don't you? <laughs> and then he went again. And then he really started hammering on. In the end, the defense researcher said, your, your worships, I really must object to this line of questioning. Objection sustained. You know, it was all terribly, just like on the TV. It was wonderful. I felt like I could... Somebody stood up for me. Somebody helped me when it, the pressure was really on to get this right. Well, then the other neighbor came in, and he gave his evidence how he was sitting up on his balcony because he lived on the first floor of a block of flats, and he saw the car coming from there. And so the magistrates went out, and there was just me and this little old chap there, 15 and 75, all this row of policemen and barristers, well, barristers, solicitors with all their just the two of us, and this poor guy dressed in his best suit, waiting to see what happened. And you could tell he's worried. And then the magistrates reappeared from behind the doors. They sat behind the bench. The court will, you know, the, 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 the accused will rise. So he stood up there, put his hands behind his back. I could see his knee. I was behind. I could see his knees were trembling. He said, "We've considered the charges. We've considered." the charges, and in view of the evidence, we dismiss all the charges. And he went, ah, like that. You know, when you share your simple testimony, your simple story of how God is real to you, how he touches your heart, heals your bodies, helps you in your families, helps you in life, you find a job that you couldn't have otherwise found, and so on. When you tell those stories, you're giving a great testimony and a great witness. And when you do, you might have this army of experts lined against you. But the simple power and conviction of the truth that you bring is enough to win against all of that. And you know, when somebody finds Christ in their life because you've witnessed to them and you've shared with them, it's like they go, ah, at last, I feel found what life is really for. I found help and hope and forgiveness and love and goodness and purpose and truth and reality in my life for the first time ever. It's a great thing to see your evidence, your witness, your testimony set somebody else free. That day, my witness helped that guy rightly go free. Do you know there are millions of people in our part of the world who are not free? But your witness can be part of the incredible evidence that will set them free. Wow. 
I want to show you something for a conclusion. It's a different kind of conclusion. I have here in my hands a little piece of card. A picture of it's coming up on the screen there. While we were busy designing our website, we got Caris also to design us a little IHC business card. I haven't put the back picture up because I didn't quite have time to get it all right, but on the back is space for your name to go on there and the church address. And you can put a phone number on there if you like. And this is an opportunity for you to speak to someone, share with them the good things that God has done for you and say, would you like to keep in contact? You can write on when church is on there if you want to. Our new website address is on there and so on. You can put your contact details on there as much as you feel comfortable with. You can hand that to somebody as a little record of that conversation they've had that's a bit different than the other conversation in their day. Anybody like one? Good, we'll give you all some then. There are boxes down here. Our conclusion is I'm going to, can three or four guys come forward and just take these cards out and start to give everybody one or two of these each? I think we've got enough for a couple each. Can I challenge you, though, before you take one, if you take one, would you work and commit to handing it to somebody this week? Would that be fair to ask you? Would you be willing to do that? It's the conversation that goes with the card we're really after, but the cards are kind of a marker for that. So, but if it prompts you and it reminds you and inspires you, then by all means, uh, that, use this as well. So I'm going to give you those cards and we're going to pray for us and then we're done this morning. Here you go. Now you can impress people now with your card, can't you, like these businessmen do and guys on TV. Okay, has everybody got, anybody who wants them got them? Okay, now, don't underestimate the power even of a little card when you've had a conversation and prayed over that conversation and prayed over the card. And I encourage you to do all of those things. I remember one guy who uh, is in major leadership in the UK. He, he told me his testimony. He became a Christian. He was stopped on the streets and somebody spoke to him and witnessed to him. Then they gave him something, a little piece of paper. And he said, you don't know how much that paper meant to me. He said, I put that in my inside pocket. And when I got home, I read it and put it away and read it. He said, in the end, I wore it out, just unfolding it. It was months later that he became a Christian. But that piece of paper he couldn't escape from, he said, I guarded it. I kept it in my pocket all the time because of what it was talking about. Even something small, God can use to really work in a person's life.
Well, why don't we all stand and we'll pray, shall we? Thank you. Thank you. Just raise our hands for the Lord, shall we? Father, thank you that Jesus has spoken to us. Thank you that we, as many of us have come to know him, have heard his voice. Now, I want to begin this morning by saying, if you've never given your life to Jesus, and you want to, you can. You can do that right now. What you have to do is come down the front here, friend, and we'll pray for you right now. If there's anybody here, don't come on your own. Bring a friend with you, if you if, uh, or you're very welcome to bring a friend at least. Come down the front now. The opportunity is here while we're praying. You can come forward now. If God has been touching your heart, and saying, hey, you don't know me. God can change your life in these next few moments for all time and eternity. God can show himself to you and be so real to you. So the invitation is there while we're praying. Just come forward with a friend and we will pray with you and show you how to give your life to the Lord Jesus. For the rest of us, Lord, I thank you. This is joy. This is a great thing of joy to share the good things you've done with others. Well, this isn't heavy or hard, whether we're the talkative ones or the quiet ones. This is life itself. And it's a tremendous blessing of joy. And Lord, as we do it, we receive more of your joy and more of your encouragement and more of your Holy Spirit's power in our lives. And Father, I pray for every person here now who's taken those cards to give to other people. Father, I pray you'd make such an impression on our hearts now of the joy of the Lord, of the presence of the Holy Spirit, the strength of God that you'll put in us, the help you will give us to speak the right words, to stand up for the truth because it is the truth, to speak it out because it's you. Lord, I pray right now for a tremendous impartation of your help and your Holy Spirit into our hearts, that we can go into this week and be witnesses like we've never been before, or maybe we have been, but we've just let go. Lord, I pray for this week. It will be a great and joyful week of sharing and saying and speaking and giving witness to the good things of God in our lives. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a great thank offering by clapping him this morning. We're done.